Listen, as we hear the word of the Lord, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 91, verses 14 and 15, John 8, 36, and Galatians 5, 1. David says in Psalm 91, Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. John eight thirty six. Jesus said, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Freedom. We're talking about the sermon title this week is going to be Freedom for the Captives. As we think about this passage, and again, my mind went everywhere. So much is going on as I'm thinking about what God wants to do in your lives and in my life. But the idea that there's a heart that's set free. And that's going to be the theme for the summer as, as I've been praying for you and praying for me and for others uh, around the world that, that the Christian's heart would be free, really free. And so as we think about this, as, as we get into the material this morning, I want to remind you of something that I think is a $1,000 sentence. It's a, really a great sentence. And you're going to remember this every time you drive by the store. And so I want to have this association so that you can remember what I'm about to say because it is so important to understand that what we are doing here is driven by a goal. And what we do and what value and what meaning it has, we determine the value of any information that we get presented to us by the contribution it makes to achieving our goals and our desires. Now, let me go back over that because it's you count information important or you discount it important based on your goals, based on your values. And you see that when you see people walking around. When you see that Expert after expert has told us, given us information. We have information, but if it's not really important because it doesn't fit our goal of personal freedoms. And therefore, to understand that the pandemic is not gone, even the information is maybe out there, it's not the information that's important. Understand it's the goal of the human heart. What is your goal? And therefore... Let me say it again. We determine the value of any information that you get presented to us by the contribution it makes towards achieving our goals and our desires. And therefore, as we go into 
the message as I'm thinking about it. What, what I present to you will may either be interesting or not interesting depending upon your goal. And therefore, let me tell you what my goal is. I would love to give you the information so that you become a soldier of Christ. That you become one who knows how to rescue and fight the battles that others are fighting. That you enter into a world to rescue from evil, as Jesus would say in Galatians 1. That people would find liberty, that you would find the enjoyment and the freedom that you have in your spirit. My goal is to equip you as laborers, as liberators, as it were. That's my goal, and I'm presenting that information to you. Because we honor soldiers who fight. We call them brave. We, we honor them. Therefore, Christian, I call you to be brave. Christian, I call you to be free. Christian, I call you to engage in a different kind of battle. And the battle that we're involved in is the battle of the mind and the soul of America. And therefore, we have to think together as a group what we're doing, what is the goal of this church? And our goal is to know Christ and to make him known, to proclaim his voice, as we just said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. He's going to hear it from a soldier in battle. He's going to hear it from you. So as I ask the questions today, I hope you think about this in terms of the goals of your heart as you think about, as we will go through the book of Galatians, as we ask these questions that Paul is trying to address, what is freedom? As we think about what is the Christ, what is the goal that Christ has for us? What is his goal? What's the goal of the Spirit? That, that I've got to keep this in mind because if I don't have their goals in mind, I'm going to be missing the whole battle. But... To understand we are not free. To understand that there are things that we have to understand that God's redeemed us and he saved us, but still there's a battle going on. And we'll get into that. And then the question later on is, is how does the captive get set free? And so this week I'm going to open that up and then be prepared for the next couple weeks to get some tools, some weaponry to, to really undo an enemy to really win a battle. So there's going to be some practical things. But let me go back to what we fight for. And so as America being a social experiment around the world, we have an unusual calling in history in our place and time in the world. But our motto, if you know that, is e pluribus unum. One e or out of many, there's one. That's our national seal. You know about that. And on the back of that, I don't know if you know about this, the Anuit Coepetus. Uh, the reason why they put that on there in the Latin, because it had 13 letters. And they didn't, the original phrase that they had was Dio Favente, God's favor. Well, that only had 10, 10 letters, so they didn't use that. So they, but the idea, God, he has favored our undertakings. And the fight that they understood as, as, as a young American setting up our country is that God has blessed America and he has blessed our undertaking. So much so that the E pluribus unum you'll see in the back of a dime uh, 
And uh, you'll see it embedded in there, if you can see that. Oh, you can't see that. And so there's the, uh, it's not mine, it's, it'll come back here in a minute. But the idea that on the coins, and the, the things that we carry in our pocket, we hold, uh, besides for buying things, we, we have the understanding that uh, in God we trust. The battle is we're losing that God and we're losing our trust. And therefore, to understand uh, that there are things taking place that is, that is destroying and capturing our freedoms and we're losing it. Lincoln found this when he quoted the Christ, when he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. And that's the issue. Someone's going to dominate our country. Something's going on to capture us in a way but not just in America. This is taking place around the world. Three in four people globally think that their country is divided. The U.S. is number eight in terms of, of the list of countries there. But you see this division everywhere you go around the world. Why? Because there is one who does not want to have e pluribus unum. It says, e pluribus pluribus. Let the many be many scattered. They, it's the work of Satan. And that's why ever since the Old Testament, as we talked about last week, the call from Moses over and over when they or, or, open up the worship service, they heard the Shema from morning to evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. Well, this one God is after freedom, and therefore you have to understand freedom in different areas. And the, the word freedom and the word liberty are often interchanged, and so we don't understand what that all means at times. And so we'll have a, con, uh, a continual discussion about what, what that means. But is there a difference between liberty and freedom? Is freedom the same thing as liberty? Think about that. Now here's, this threw me for a loop. I don't know about you, but you know where the word liberty comes from? It's a Greek god. In ancient Greece, Eleutheria was also another name for the goddess Artemis. We came across that in Acts. And as such, she was worshipped in Lycia. The Roman equivalent of Eleutheria is Libertas. She was a god in her own right. Now what this means is this. People will worship freedom. People will worship something that people can worship love. You can make a God out of anything. And yet the promise of freedom is to understand that that, that, that promise from whoever you worship or whatever you worship is going to have a reality that's going to follow through. This is the Greek word. It's the state of being free Eleutheria, to be free or freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's where freedom is. And some of the newspapers that I grew up with said that was the headline under their, 
their banner that the freedom of the press, the freedom to speak, but the concept of freedom is expressed in such a way is talking about the negation of control or domination. We, for example, it says where the, the spirit of the Lord is, there's no longer domination or dom- someone's manipulating you. And yet that's really the point of our constitution. When you hear we the people, is, it is a restraint on the domination of government in our lives. So there's a negative part to freedom that you can't do these things that will give you freedom over here. So the liberty part is to say that in a society like ours, we live in in an agreement under the laws of our constitution that it is a condition that arises from a free people living together in a society. Liberty is a social condition. Freedom, though. Freedom is having the integrity of mind. It's having the character. It's having the spirit that honors truth and love and others. Freedom is a spiritual condition. You may be emancipated legally, but spiritually not be free. And therefore, you hear over and over in our Constitution, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, we establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. In a country, in a land like ours, we want to establish ourselves in this and our posterity we do ordain and establish the Constitution for, of the United States of America. Now get those values. The goals were a union, justice, tranquility, defense, welfare, liberty, posterity. Do you realize these are biblical values? These are the kingdom values that Christ came to give to us and they were built, they were the foundation for those founding fathers. And yet, just as Paul had to warn the early church, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock and for the future, among the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, to shepherd America, as it were, which he purchased with his own blood. But I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in, among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, yourselves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after them. Let me tell you, if Satan will attack the church, Satan will attack the Constitution. Satan will attack everything to keep you separate and destroyed. Therefore, Paul would write to the Colossians, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception, according to the tradition of men, whatever that human tradition is, according to the elementary principles of the world, the natural mind, the natural flesh, rather than according to Christ. There's our battle. And therefore, a couple weeks ago, when I was talking about Paul going into this 
area of Galatia. It talked about going into missions into a third world country where the great division of mankind, says John Frame, was that the, not that they would worship a god or not, but the real tension there was they'd worship a false god as opposed to the living God. I want to change this to go on. Rather, the real difference is between those who worship the true God who promises them freedom and those false gods and idols that promise freedom but cannot deliver. And therefore, church, you've got to understand that someone's dealing with your heart and soul and your freedom and your mind. They want to take away not only what you believe, but they want to take away the freedom that you have. So understand that that God's coming to set the captives free. Now, again, here's another $100 question. Uh, I want you to understand, uh, what is wisdom? Again, I don't have a target store to associate, but I've asked this before, what is wisdom? When you look at this word, are you wise? Would you understand how you, how would you explain this to your kids? How, how, what do you think about wisdom? There's two parts I'm going to give you. So memorize these and you may get tested on. One is there's perception. It's what you're looking at, how you see things, how you conceive, how you construct, what you understand in terms of your worldview. Your perception is going to grab your mind, which is going to grab your heart. Perception is part of wisdom. And understand that you're going to be working with a plurable, a plurable unum that's not, that doesn't work. I couldn't get that. So that there's a diversity among people in the way they think. But the idea that the second part of wisdom has this component of decision making. And this is your goal. What you go for and what your desires are your decisions will follow the gods you worship, the things that you think about. So wisdom is made of these two parts, your perception and your decision making. That's why for Christians, we turn to the word because we understand that God gives us perception. God gives us wisdom. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, 130. Likewise, in Psalm 119, those of you who are doing that study during the summer, ask me later if you haven't heard about this. Eight verses a day. I have more insight than all my teachers, David said, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than Kim Gardner. Wait, I understand more than the aged. Uh, because I have observed your precepts. For the younger folks to understand, you can have just as much wisdom as somebody who's older if you follow the Word of God, and others who don't follow the Word of God will be considered foolish. Those at any age who follow the Word of God and observe His precepts will get that same understanding. And therefore, David would go on, and these are the verses that stood out to me as I went through that study, is, is 119, verse 45. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. You see, the Bible is given to set your heart free, and that's what we want to look at, but the problem is we don't read it. 
we kind of set it aside. And if you are there, if you are, if you haven't made the Bible like your favorite pair of jeans or your, you know, to get familiar with the scriptures that you fall in love with the word of God, you're not going to get his perception. And you won't be making those decisions according to his will. And therefore, you've got to understand that this freedom that God wants for you is a design. There are conditions. There are spiritual laws that if you break them, you're not going to have freedom. But if you get back in alignment with the Spirit of God, you're going to enjoy something that other people won't have. Oh, last week, what was it? Sandy, Monday, Monday I went to Muncie, Indiana, and I took my wife's car up to the Toyota dealers. And I passed by a factory. It used to be an electronics, Western electric factory, but they changed it into a locomotive engineering factory. And I've, ne- and I've driven by this place thousands of times, but I've never seen this site, so I stopped my car and I got out and I took this picture. I thought, this was great. You see all those locomotives on the tracks? Well, those locomotives, you never see them lined up like that, but they're brand new locomotives. And they are designed to be uh, functional and powerful when they are on the rails. And therefore, you take a look at these things and the weight that they pull, the cargo that they haul across our country in that factory right there. Well, I don't think I've got this. You can see this. Yeah. I didn't get that picture, but... But when it gets off the rails, it's not free. There you go, that's the point. And therefore, the design for freedom, there it is. When, when, when a train says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go this way. I want to go my way. And therefore, can you imagine a train thinking that? Or something happens that derails the train. Well, there are a lot of Christians who are derailed in their conscience that are captive by the world, they, they've really lost their understanding. And therefore, to help people to understand our job is how do you help people get back on track? Oh, the old proverb says, he who knows not, and he knows that he knows not, he's a fool, shun him. But he who knows not and knows he knows not, he's a student, teach him. Well, we want to do that. We want to bring people back to understand that there's work to be done to help people uh, get in line with, with the Word of God and to get the freedom that they want. And therefore, understand that what God wants to do, and I don't know if you understand this as the goal that God has for you, it's your spirit to be free. God really wants you to enjoy running on the rails, following the Spirit in such a way that you reflect the kingdom values and the glory. And that's what Jesus came. He says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, now get these verbs, to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. This is Old Testament. This is Messiah. This is the work that God wants to set our spirit free and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. 
failure, suffering, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And that's what their church is. That's what we are here to do. We are to bind up and heal the captive. We are to proclaim freedom to the captive. We are to release from evil the captive. We are to proclaim grace to the captive. We are to display his splendor to the captive. And therefore, as Paul would say just earlier in the book of Acts, and through Christ, through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be free from the law of Moses. Well, we are moving in a new constitution. We, the church, we have the gospel, and you have the gospel uh, to set people free. Whether you know it or not, or understand it or not, it depends upon your goal. And therefore, let let me move you to understand and give you an invitation to think about what is your goal as you tie into Chesterland Baptist. Is your goal to help others live in Christian liberty? If that's your goal, that's your perception, there's your decision making, you move into the ministry to bind up those wounds, to set the captive free. To understand not only for the Christian, that if you're captive as a Christian, you need someone to come alongside and help you understand what this freedom is. For the non-Christian, whether Christian or non-Christian, God's goal is the same. He wants you free from whatever it is that, that you're thinking because your thinking, your perception has to shift because every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the heart. And so, as we as, the, as believers, we understand what, what Solomon and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah, they all said this in different ways, but the, the proverb that Solomon would say, uh, to know wisdom, again wisdom, instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, You heard those in the Constitution. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning because that's what he wants. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel because that's what he wants. To understand a proverb and a figure, and a figure, the words of a wise and the riddles, it all starts when you begin with Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but they go on to say there are captives who don't have that goal there are people who want a different lifestyle and they don't care about what God's word says they did not choose the fear of the Lord they would not accept my counsel they spurn my reproof and so they shall eat the fruit of their own ways and they shall be satiated with their own devices for the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Well, let me leave this as I close 
today with something. How do you get somebody, how do you shift somebody's mind who's got a different goal to not walk in the way of wisdom, to not follow Christ, who doesn't care about the world, uh, the word. And therefore, there's a battle that I want to invite you to, but I'm going to give you now my favorite, favorite all-time movie. I love this movie. Uh, Number one, I don't have a number two, uh, but there's a place in this, there's a place in this scene right at the end where Don Quixote, Man of La Mancha, uh, don't get me going on this, because I'll be here until midnight, but it talks about passion. It talks about the desires and the dreams that you have. And then it talks about the reality of life as hard as it is. And these two perceptions that they're going to keep this tension always involved that there are people who are believers and there are people who are unbelievers. There are people who are trusters and the people who don't trust. And there's, there's always this tension in this movie. But it comes to the end and Antonia, the niece of Don Quixote, uh, is interested in a man named Dr. Sanson Carrasco. He's a good doctor. And they're going to get married. But the priest comes alongside, Pedro Perez, the priest. And there's a conversation, how do you help Don Quixote? This guy's going nuts. Has these wild visions and goes off. I love, I love this story. So listen to this conversation because I want to pick up with it in the next couple of weeks to help you get some tools because you know people like this. Uh, and now the problem of the night. My dear, says doc- the doctor, your uncle is a laughing stock of the entire neighborhood. And she says, I do, and he says, I do not relish claiming a lunatic as an uncle. And the priest says, oh, come now, come, doctor. The good Senor Quijana has been carried away with his imagination. Senor Quijana has lost his mind as suffering from delusion, says the doctor. Is there a difference? <laughs> Exactitude of meaning. I beg, you to remind, I beg to remind you, I am a doctor. For the guilty must pay for the sins of the, uh, for the innocent must pay for the sins of the guilty. Guilty of what? My uncle of gentle delusion? The doctor says, how do you know it was gentle? He was armed with sword and a lance. And the priest says, oh, I cannot favor the madness that puts a sword into his hand. Ah, but I love that gentle spirit that moves him to measure his sword with evil. The doctor says, I shall concern myself with his madness, Father, and I will leave the care to his spirit to you. And then Antonia speaks up. I had hoped for everything for you, Sanson, his, his boyfriend, fiance. I, really, I, I want everything was for you, my uncle's house, his lands. And the priest says, well, that's true, doctor. In time, they would all be yours. Are you a priest or a pawnbroker? What I meant was this. Consider the challenge, and here's the point. Think what cleverness it would take to wean him from his madness, to turn him from this course, to persuade him to come back home, to bring him to see the same world. Hmm, that is a challenge. Enormous, says the priest, to work within his lunacy, 
to cure him of the very terms that are his own. Come, Father, we shall do it. And so the doctor puts on the night of mirrors and begins to reflect back the world that Don Quixote sees. And this is the challenge for us, to, pers- to turn him from his course, to persuade him to come back home, to bring him to see the same world. What cleverness would that take? What challenges before us? To say those captives, that your goal and your perceptions are an illusion that keeps you in captivity. You need cleverness, you need wisdom. And that's what we're going to do. But the doctor says, the nightmare of a disordered mind, the only way you do that is you've got to confront him with reality. And so, a man who chooses to be mad can also choose to be sane. And our, our job is we want to choose the goals that God has for us to be healed and well. Understand, again, to Ephesians, with a view to administration suitable to the fullness of the times, the summing up of all things in Christ, then the heavens and the earth, God is bringing these together that they're going to be integrated into him. And so we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, which works after the kindness, after the counsel of his will, to the end that you and I and others who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. I'm inviting you, church, to a new goal. Would you like to be a freedom fighter? Would you like to turn others from their course of delusion, of madness, of lunacy, to follow the world and the captive? Therefore, the next several weeks, I'd like to put before you an invitation that you learn how to engage people in such a way that you are a freedom fighter, that you're bringing good news to the captives. We're gonna look at this as you get into Galatians. There are some things that Paul does, and therefore we're gonna answer these questions. How do you set the captives free? What do you say to somebody who's resistant? What do you say to somebody who's, who's already caught up in, a, in an illusion, in a cult or some other thing? What do you say to somebody who's indifferent? What do you say to somebody who says, I don't give a rip, who's rebellious? And they said, I'm going to fight you. We're in a battle. We honor those brave soldiers who fought in the war. Now I'm going to call you to be a soldier for Christ, to speak good news to those who don't have any. And that's part of our calling, not only to worship, not only to fellowship, and not only discipleship, but to engage in the battle to proclaim his name among the nations. Get ready. Galatians is going to lead us into that freedom. And there's a lot of things and a lot of questions that you will have with that. So with that, let me, let me close today and let's uh, close with our, our following song.